free. So this is a new project that we have going here. Um, I'm really glad to be a part of it. It's going to be myself, uh, Brady Peterson, um, and a couple people I know very well, and, and Eric Bugard, who does a lot of stuff for Junior All-Star in Minnesota, Hi. and Mason Asher, um, who I've gotten to know pretty well in the last like year and a half of me, like in girls basketball in general. And yeah, we're going to call this the Three Stooges of Basketball Pod. And I think that the best way that we can start this off is by talking about some college basketball in general, which I am still learning. So I'm going to basically default to a lot of these guys here for a little bit. Um, but we're going to start talking about the Big Ten in general. And I just want to ask um, Mason in, in general, um, tell me like how good the conference has been this year. Because obviously there's six ranked teams right now in the top 25. So just kind of give me like a roundup of like how competitive it, it's been this year. Yeah, it's been it's been really solid so far. Um, I think you see, you know, at the top you've you've got Ohio State and Indiana and kind of Iowa up there too. But the interesting thing, you know, with those three teams is it seems for all of them, they're you know the second half of the Big Ten schedule for them are kind of going to be the toughest stretches that they have all year. Um, you know, IU and Ohio State still have to play each other twice. Uh, Ohio State has uh, Iowa coming up tomorrow on Monday, the 23rd. Um, and then they still play Maryland twice as well. Um, and so, you know, I think those three teams have really separated themselves at the top. But then once you get to, you know, number four through, you know, really number eight, it seems like every every night someone beats you know, beats up on each other. So you really don't know how you know, a lot of those games are going to go, which which could either be good, you know, in a sense of, of those teams are good teams, or, you know, it, it could point to maybe a, a weaker middle of the Big Ten than normal. Um, but, you know, you still got – you still have Michigan right there. You still have Maryland there. So I think the Big Ten – is is fairly open at this point and i think you know anyone could still win it ohio state is ranked number two in the country you know for a reason um but they still have a really tough schedule coming up with with seven ranked teams to go on their schedule i would jump on that with mason and say tomorrow is kind of a make or break it day for all four of them you have iowa versus ohio state Indiana versus Michigan. I think it's kind of a show up or show out kind of game. Like it's you're ranked, but at the same time, now here's your time to show it against the best of the best, the Big Ten. Ohio State has shown, even without JC Sheldon, which has been very impressive, that they can win close games. They can win blowouts. They can do whatever they kind of need to. They can win by hitting threes. They can win by winning, you know, hitting free throws. They can win by hitting kind of you know, in the paint. I feel like both of those big, t all four of those big 10 teams kind of a make it or break it. It's show us what you're made of kind of situation. The big 10 is the deepest it's been probably in the last 20 to 25 years. You have six, maybe even seven teams that are like legit final four contenders in terms of they can make it there. So kind of bouncing off what Mason said, you got to kind of show that you can beat the best of the best. And maybe they maybe beat up on each other a little bit. If Ohio State can't handle Caitlin Clark and Monica Sinano in Iowa tomorrow, are they really are they really the number two team in the country? But at the same time, if they can beat them and beat them consistently, 
maybe they are the best number two team in the country with Stanford kind of up and down. Yeah, and and to kind of piggyback off that too, on Iowa, you know, obviously I, I live in Iowa, so I'm super familiar with them. I, I feel like Iowa is one of those teams where, you know, when Kaylin Clark's at her best, they can they can beat anyone pretty easily. And I think, you know, if Kaylin Clark has one of her nights where she doesn't do it very often, but, you know, she has a couple turnovers here and there and just not hitting her shots, you know, I think they could lose to – you know, Ohio State, IU, Maryland, Michigan, even even Illinois. Now they haven't yet this year, obviously, but um, you know, that's a team that I think could really come out tomorrow night and kind of, you know, it's it's their time now to prove it. You know, they've they've lost a couple of games. They might have should have had a couple more losses on their overall record, but they're sitting, you know, seven one big ten right now. Um, so tomorrow night for them is definitely, you know. Out of the four teams that, that you just mentioned, I think tomorrow night for them is maybe the team with the most to prove just because they're, I think, the biggest wild card, to be honest. I mean, and in terms of that, in terms of the final four, in terms of the final four, in terms of Big Ten, in terms of Iowa, I'm curious, in, at least down the stretch, I want to see Caitlin Clark understand that Caitlin Clark has to A, attitude a mentality a consistency she has to show up in the michigan state game you can't pop someone in the face in terms of late in the game and have that maybe you know because maybe if that's in ohio state or the michigan or the maryland or it's in indiana they're gonna score on that final possession after you've given them two free free throws from popping a girl in the face monica Sonano has to understand monica can't get four f- fouls in the first 35 minutes of the game. I mean, Lisa Bluter, I think I have to understand, Monica is so key to what you do, pulling defenders in, leaving, you know, in terms of Caitlin Clark, Gabby Marshall, and them open from three, you have to have the anchor down low. It's not the same when you have Hannah Stalky down there. It's not the same when you have, you know, anyone else down there, when you have, you know, that, you know, when you have your big, three-year starter post player down there and so I think that's going to be kind of a thing of see what where the mature I guess maturity the word would be of of you know Caitlin Clark is don't pop a girl in the face I understand the frustration if I'm getting hit too I'm going to be frustrated but at the same time can't pop a girl in the face because the refs are going to see that especially when you're at Michigan State type situation and I just kind of want to ask you guys in general because obviously over the course of time I mean the the postseason has been dominated by teams in the SEC, like Tennessee when Pat Summit was there, or even Mississippi State for a little while there, and especially like UConn as well, and and now South Carolina. I mean, I just want to ask you guys, like, who do you think has the best championship equity of of this this group in the Big Ten this year? If if you think anyone has like a real shot at actually like taking that thing home, I'll let Mason go first. Yeah, I mean, I think. It, it's really tough to to see anyone beating South Carolina um, in the tournament. But if I, if I had to guess, like, I, I really think that, you know, Iowa, you know, as we said, if, if Caitlin Clark and, and Monica play to their potential night in and night out, like they could potentially be a final four team. Um, you know, obviously Ohio state's kind of beaten everyone this year, you know, they're 19 and 0. So like they they 
definitely have a shot too. They'll be a, you know, they'll probably be a top seed as long as they don't stumble here coming down the stretch. Um, and then you've got IU. Obviously, they're playing extremely well right now. Um, they're pretty dynamic. They've got, you know, scores all over the floor, and and they've seemingly started to hit their stride right now. Um, you know, then going kind of down the list in the Big Ten, you know, Michigan is Michigan. You know, they're not playing probably how they expect to this year so far, uh, but they're still right there. You know, I think they've lost – only two games in the Big Ten, you know, and they're they're right there as well. So, you know, there's a lot of teams that have the capability and potential in the Big Ten to make it to the Final Four this year. Um, but again, you know, it's you just have to play. You know, it's kind of an obvious answer, but you kind of just have to play well in the tournament. You know, with with what Creighton did last year, you know, they beat Iowa on Iowa's home floor in the tournament, and then they beat Iowa State last year you know i i don't think a lot of people saw that coming i think everyone was kind of pointing at a you know iowa iowa state matchup so you know if, if one of these teams don't play well in the tournament you know i think the floor of the teams in the ncaa tournaments coming up women's basketball is getting a lot better at the college level you know especially for those teams that are you know in the 40th to 60th um you know ranking via net or rpi whatever you want to go go towards um so you know you have 15 you have 14 you have 13 seeds that are capable of beating you know a two three four seed and we saw it last year so in short i think there there's a couple potentials in the big 10 i don't see any anyone that right now i would pencil in as as a lock for the final four but you know in women's college basketball as a whole i don't think there are that many locks anyway I mean, yeah, I agree with what Mason said. I mean, I think I would say the top five in terms of Iowa, Michigan, when you look at um, Indiana and Illinois and them, they kind of have shown they can beat anyone, they can lose to anyone. If you want to be the first Big Ten team since maybe 05, 08-ish, if you count Maryland, Maryland's been in there a little bit. If you want to be that first team going to the Big Ten, you you have to have both the ability to score inside and outside. Maryland probably have the best win of the Big Ten when they've beaten Notre Dame on the road with Diamond Miller's game winner. I think you have to show that you can win on the road. I think you have to show, you know, when you look at Ohio State, that's great. You're number two, but you need J.C. Sheldon when it comes to NCAA tournament. You need that point guard who can get you steals, can get you, can get you assist, get you a three-point bucket, get you, you know, create for the other bigs. They don't have that right now. So to me, Ohio State, they've been on the ropes in terms of literally against the Gophers. They've been on the ropes against Illinois. They've been on the ropes against other teams of the Big Ten. And it's like you win, but you're having to come back against teams that you should not have to come back against, in my opinion. You should be blowing these teams out if you are the number two team in the country. Stanford probably had one bad game and they've dropped. Stanford's probably still the number two team, in my opinion, in terms of who is at that ability to challenge Stanford. Or started not Stanford, South Carolina. When you look at Big Ten teams that can chart, you know, challenge South Carolina. Ohio State's probably the best because South Carolina, let's be honest, they're not great shooters. They're not great guards. They run through Aaliyah Boston. They run through Cardoza. They run with 6'7 and 6'5 and 6'4 and 6'5 and more and more and more in size. 
whereas Cody McMahon, I'm going to say this name wrong, Nijula Shakova. I'm hopefully I said that right. Those are players that are, can step out and pull a, you know, Aaliyah Boston and stuff like that away from the basket, pull you away to where they can, the guards can drive, where they can force turnovers. I would say in terms of reaching a Final Four, Ohio State probably has the best if you have J.C. Shelvin. Iowa has Kalen Clark and Monica Sonano. In terms of last year when you went against Creighton, I'm not sure why you don't go to Caitlin Clark. If she is the best player and people want to compare her to Paige Beckers, let's let her take that final shot. Why are we going to Monica Sonano? Why are we going down there? I want to see Caitlin Clark be able to handle physicality, keep her cool, stay calm, and perform in a win against a top 10 team in the country. That's what I want to see before I put Iowa in a Final Four contender, in my opinion. You know, in the middle of all that, I did catch a little gopher talk in there, and I'm going to transition that into <laughs> what I am most excited about with, with this in general, because um, if you don't know Eric, big Minnesota gopher fan, so we wanted just a lot like five minutes for him to just talk about <laughs> the Minnesota Golden Gophers just for a little bit, and and I have, I have my timer set. I will not say a word unless you finish, all right? So the floor is yours, my friend. Okay. I just want to say this. I love Mason, and I love Brady. We talk massive trash on text to each other outside of this. I do think we still love each other. I hope. I'm just saying this. Let's be real honest. There is no team in the Big Ten. I'm going to say this. No team in the Big Ten that have the bright future if they all stay. I want to say if they all stay. That the Gophers have. Marbron Baller. The last five or six games, we've started to see her look human. I, I will say the Lehigh and the Penn State game, which I was at two live with another one on this podcast, Marbron, beast, baller. She's going to hit the big shot. I think they've kind of hit that freshman wall that every freshman hits. I think Amaya, Mallory, Mara, the 322s of the top 10 recruiting class have run into that wall that every recruiting class have hit. And especially Mara. Let's be honest, you hit a 30-plus point game and hit a game winner against Lehigh. You hit Penn State with 26, 11 for 11 free throws. You were kind of the go-to. I still stand by. The Gophers cannot win a game in the Big Ten if Mara Brown doesn't give you 20-plus. I think every team, have you listened to me, have figured that out as well to understand she needs 20-plus. You don't, especially this year, I love Katie Barovich with coming back from surgery, Rose coming back, Maggie Sonano, our very own Sonano in terms of fighting with Iowa, which, by the way, uh, Maggie Sonano had more rebounds than Monica Sonano when the Gophers played Iowa. Just saying. But you need to have more scores than three. You need to have more scores than two. You can't have Rose Misha being a 31 for two games or being unstoppable for two games and the freshman being like, you know what, when we play Purdue, we're going to let you three freshmen hold us on. They don't win that Penn State game, either Penn State game, without those three freshmen. I love those three to save my life. I have known them since they were freshmen in high school. They are going to do great things. I hope I want them to stay. I want them to understand as a Gopher fan 
we trust in them. I want them to get help. I want them to be better on defense. But like Mason said, we're losing to two and six teams. We're losing to two and seven teams. We haven't played 0-8 Northwestern as of today, but that's coming up. That could very well be a lot. We should beat Rutgers at home. We should beat Wisconsin on the road. I love them. Bron Mamba, Mara Bron, my heart and soul. Uh, Mallory Hire, the do it everything. Those run out from block to block. There is not a better player in the Big Ten from block to block than Mallory Hire. I think we have brighter features ahead of us, but I think right now we are going to have a very rough season. I'm going to cry a lot on go for game days. We don't play another 11 days as of today. Mason and Brady are going to have a lot of fun at my expense. Illinois, God bless you. You're doing great. You haven't been anything for the last 25 years. God bless you. You have a coach and some transfers who are going to get you there. Yay, you. I, I think Illinois will make NCAA tournament unless they really fall off. They only beat Northwestern by three today. Let's be honest. They're not exactly foolproof. They beat us. The Gophers have four players consistently they can count on, and I mean that by Mallory Hire, Maya Battle, Mara Braun, and then either Katie Baravich or uh, Rose Misha, Alana Rose Misha. One of those are going to struggle versus Purdue. It was Rose, 15 rebounds, that's great, but you give us two points, that's nothing. I'm better. I love the Gophers. Brady has been to a Gopher game with me. Mason and me are besties. Mason, they've been to one with me, but we're going to get them there. Gopher fans, don't you worry yourself when we play. I love Mason Gophers. I think the future is bright. This year, ugly as hell. So, so Eric, I, I know we're probably past your five minute allotted no, no, no. time he, here. He, but... he had 30 seconds left, but he, I think he's done. Uh, I think he's done. Okay. Well, I, I do have a question for you. Obviously, um, we, we do talk about Minnesota basketball quite a lot. Um, you know, they started out the year fairly solid, you know, eight and five you know, probably looking a little bright. Um, you know, I go back to the fact that, you know, the best win to start the year was over Penn State, which, you know, might not be that good of a win if you look at the metrics, but right. they did win it. Um, you know, but since that eight and five, once they got into Big Ten play, you know, they played Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Illinois, Penn State again, and then Purdue, you know, and have, have lost six of their last seven. Uh, with an unfortunate loss by 19 uh, yesterday to Purdue, um, which you have to is work really, really to tough. Um, you know, and, and the next four games aren't going to get any easier. It's, you know, you've got Michigan and IU, and then you've got Illinois and Ohio State. But then after that, you know, your, your schedule opens up a little bit with Wisconsin again. Um, I say that after you lost to Wisconsin once. Um, and then Nebraska, Northwestern, Michigan State, and Purdue. So, you know, if you if you run the rest of the schedule chalk, you're probably looking at about, you know, probably three or four wins. You know, best case, you you go five and four there where you win your last five games of the season, which is feasible. You know, you, they could win. They could beat Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue to uh, in the season on a five-game winning streak, what what are you looking for from them for the last nine games of the year? Obviously, you've got you know the four teams at the top, save Iowa, and then you've got you know the the five teams, not at the bottom, but you know near the bottom. 
to be honest, when you look at it from a fan aspect, what I want is a number one top of the list. I want turnovers to come down. I, I should say this. I want stupid turnovers to come down. I'm tired of being one on three and Katie Baravis, you know, behind the back or above the head to no one or out of the bounds. We our tallest player that's available is six two. Let's not throw it to six eight, six nine going out of bounds. That's what I would love to see. I want these freshmen to understand, you know, having spoke to them personally, having spoke to their families and stuff of that nature, I understand losing a lot of the freshmen sucks. I would like to inform them, Waylon won one game as a freshman. She was one in 17 as a freshman at the Gophers. This freshman year sucks. I get it. Nia leaving or Nia getting injured was a lot bigger than I will say even me as a pessimist, as someone who's huge as a Gopher fan, was bigger than I thought it was going to be. You need the athleticism. Next year, when you get Nia uh, um, Holloway back, when you get Sophie Hart back, when you can run 6'5 Sophie Hart and 6'2 Alana Rose Misha together, I'm excited for that. I want Mara Braun to get back her killer mentality. Brady was in the, you know, Brady was in the arena with me. They were not going to lose to Penn State. When you had Rose foul out with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Katie foul out in the first minute of the first overtime, you were literally running with Amaya Battle, Mara Braun, Mallory Hire. They were the ones you were running behind it in their very first Big Ten game. I want that no quit. We are going to lose to at Ohio State. We are going to lose, you know, versus Illinois. I think we're going to lose versus Michigan and Indiana. Granted, I would if I had to be a petty person, I would <laughs> love to beat Indiana to beat Sarah Scalia. <laughs> when you leave and you say things like, I don't have players who want to win like me. And you know that you have Mara Braun and Maya Battle and Mallory Hire coming in. Girl, you a start, you a bench player for Indiana. Calm down, shut your mouth, check yourself. In my personal opinion, I would love us to beat Indiana. It's not probably gonna happen. But it's not because of refs or anything. We're just not, let's be honest, we're running with three or four right now that are Big Ten talented, Big Ten ready, Big Ten anything of this nature. What I want to see is no quit. I want to see these freshmen continue to take that step. I agree with the mentality of once you hit January 1st of your freshman year, you're no longer a freshman. You've played big games. We beat Eastern, we beat Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois is not a slouch. They're a very good team in the conference game. We, you know, Mara has hit the game winner in 34 points against, you know, when you call, call Lehigh. That game against Penn State, both the wins. It took Mara to be huge in the fourth quarter. Brady was in the arena for the double overtime. I was ready to have an aneurysm. I didn't know if we were getting out of that game before midnight. <laughs> Mara Braun stepped up and said, we're not losing this game. Those freshmen, I want to see those freshmen say, we're not losing games. Even if you lose them, I want to see the mentality of in terms of we're fighting. We're not playing scared. We're not playing not to lose. I Especially versus Ohio State. You have the number two team in the country down six going into the fourth and you decide to start playing scared. You decide to start playing 
not to lose instead of playing to win. Where did the killer instinct go in the fourth quarter? Where did that ability to say, you know what? We're not Luke. We're not scared of this team. I want that. I want them to play like there's those, especially those three freshmen play like you are veterans. play like you're not willing to lose. And if you do lose, the other team's going to know they have earned that game. That's what I want. I want Rose to understand if you are triple teamed, girl, pass that ball out. Stop going one on three. I don't care if you've had 31. I don't care if you've had 24. You need to pass that ball out. If you want to repost, great. Pass the ball out of three players that are around you. Let's do the simple math. Each team has five. If you have three, you have two teammates that are open. If one of those teammates are named Mallory Heyer and Mara Braun, get them the ball and let them shoot. I will live with those results all day long. You know, I think you cheated your time a little bit with this one. Hundred percent. But, but, but I think we'll live with it. Um, I want to. No, you know what? I'll, I'll blame Mason. I think that's probably a fair thing to do. But <laughs> I want to move over to just, just some mid-major stuff, and and I'll start with this one because I did a whole lot of listening. Um, I kind of want to just talk about the Horizon League for a little bit because I think it's really, really balanced, and I think it's really interesting just kind of seeing like how these teams at the top have kind of gone back and forth here recently. I mean, because Green Bay went down to Cleveland, they beat Cleveland State, then they came back and lost to Youngstown State by a point. So there's been a whole lot of flip-flopping from those top three for the last few days, and like good bit of the conference are, are solid. I mean, IUPUI, they lost parks last year to Butler, but they're still solid this year. They're, they have a winning record in conference. They're seven and three in the, in the horizon league so far. I mean, even Milwaukee um, who started the year off kind of with some issues scoring the ball. I mean, they've been way better these past few games. I mean, they were one of the teams to beat uh, green Bay this year. Um, and I just kind of want to just highlight the fact that some of these teams are just have been really competitive. Um, even, even in this conference, we're like, in mid-majors, obviously, like, not the, there won't be this grandiose thing around it. Um, but there's just been a lot of really good basketball in the, in the mid-major side of things. And I just kind of want to highlight the, the Horizon League real quick. Yeah, just real quick on, on my end from, uh, you know, the Green Bay perspective. Uh, so I went – they opened with a game at Drake where they lost by – it was like 13 to 15 points. And they did not look – great in that game i thought it was going to be you know a you know they obviously weren't going to be the worst team in the horizon league but i thought they were probably gonna you know be battling for a top four spot now here they are sitting you know in, in first place in the horizon league i believe at this point they're um, tied with youngstown youngstown state and cleveland state eight and two. Oh, okay gotcha so yeah they're sitting right there they've got you know a a favorable schedule remaining um you know they 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 should probably win their next seven games, and then I think the, the Horizon League is going to come down at the end. To you know, on February nineteenth, they play at Youngstown State, and then the twenty third, they play um, you know at home against Cleveland State, where in the middle, you know, they've got Detroit, and they've got uh, actually Milwaukee coming up this week, who already beat them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back on December first, Milwaukee beat Green Bay. And after that, you know, Green Bay really turned a corner and I think won 11 games in a row. Uh, so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how that game's going to go. But right now, I think Green Bay is, has really got the, you know, the upper hand, especially there in the horizon with, you know, pretty favorable, you know, on paper schedule, um, you know, to go. 
And the other thing with Green Bay as well is, I mean, they bring back so many kids that they had last year. And they have a lot of kids who, I mean, redshirted as freshmen. So they have a lot of like older upper class, like older underclassmen, I should say. And I mean, they're really playing like it recently too. I mean, even in that Youngstown State game, like a couple bounces of the ball goes their way. I mean, they win that game and they're sitting nine and one in conference. Um, and then even if I want to talk about Milwaukee a little bit, I mean, the start of the year did it it was up and down. I mean, they started the year off with uh Wisconsin, and that might have been one of the ugliest games of basketball I think I've ever seen played. It was really, really ugly offensively. Um, but I mean, even like the these past few weeks, like ever since the new year, I mean, they're they're one of their top recruits in, in Cammy Pepler, who was Miss Basketball in Wisconsin last year. I mean, she's been awesome the since since the 2023s come around. And, you know, that's a team that, I mean, if they can beat Green Bay, they can beat anyone in that conference. So it's just one of those things where it's like there's a lot of teams that can beat each other on any given day, which kind of makes like some of these mid-major conferences really fun. And yeah, I just kind of like shedding a little light on on the Horizon League. I mean, I've all I've I've grown up going to some games at the what what used to be the US Cellular Arena, which is now the UWM Panther Arena. So it's 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 nice to get to talk about some of the mid majors every now and again. And to be honest, I'm I'm always impressed, especially around this area. When you look at South Dakota State, Green Bay, anything of that nature, they want to play power fives. They want to play Big Ten, Big 12, Big East. Let's be honest, UConn's in the Big East. They're a fucking <laughs> massive conference. They want to play those teams. And I think it's impressive because here's the thing. They understand there's nothing. Even if they lose those games by a lot, there's nothing in their conference that's going to test them like a UConn, like a Big Ten team, like a Big 12 team. Whatever you can get it done, if you can find a way to win against those teams, you should find a way to win against every team in your conference. They're not as talented, at least in terms of on paper, as those big-time conferences, Power 5, Power 6, whatever you want to call it. I love them, Milwaukee. I love in terms of a Green Bay when they want to play bigger teams and they're zero fear. Let's be honest. In the state of Wisconsin – Brady, you're there more than I am. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin in the Big Ten is probably the third, if not the fourth best team in that in that state. When you look yeah. at Green Bay and all of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, Milwaukee, the Milwaukee game. I mean, if Milwaukee would have, you know, scored the ball at any kind of a reasonable clip, they probably win that game. And Green Bay, I mean, I, I want to say Wisconsin made the trip up to Green Bay. And I mean, Green Bay won by double digits and they were just clearly the best team on the court that day. And Marquette and Wisconsin haven't played each other. But I mean, Marquette's both some I mean, they beat Texas. They played with UCLA down in the bottom. I, I want to say they were in the Bahamas. I mean, yep. they're. I mean, there. I mean, there's some good programs in in Wisconsin for sure. But I mean, Wisconsin's always been like a bit of a job where you kind of got to you know piece everything back together, and that's kind of the process right now with them. So, and as removing myself as someone who loves the Gophers, I do love the Gophers since I was literally 13 years old. I agree that I'm an old heifer now. I love me some Gophers for over 20 years. I would love the rivalry of St. Thomas and Gophers. You are literally a solid 10 minutes away. I can get to both your campuses in 30 minutes or less. I would love that rivalry. I think that's what Wisconsin, I think that's what's missing from Wisconsin. Marquette and Wisconsin should be a rivalry. And in terms of when you look at Power 5 and when you look at mid-major, when Marquette and Green Bay walk into a gym, I've been in those gyms. 
it's a lot different than when Wisconsin walking into a gym. Same. There are some kids that when St. Thomas walks in compared to Gophers, guess what? St. Thomas is sending a head coach. Gophers are sending the third, if not a second assistant. I want to see those rivalries. I want to see these interstate rivalries that build Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State today. Oklahoma State was able to, you know, very close to knocking off Oklahoma. When you look at Iowa and Iowa State, those arenas are packed when you see Ashley Jones versus Caitlin Clark. Guess what? They're both in the state of Iowa. They're ready to kill each other. They don't like each other. They don't like, there's a rivalry in terms of recruiting. You are picking a side on a battle. I want that in Minnesota. I want that in Wisconsin. I want that in the Dakotas. I mean, maybe not this year. South SDSU and you, you know South Dakota State or South Dakota University, of South Dakota. Let's go, Coyotes and Jackrabbits. <laughs> want to see that fight? I want to see y'all come down to it. Amy Williams, who's in the Big Ten at Nebraska, she's part of that rivalry. Aaron will, you know, Aaron is Johnson is never Johnston is never leaving SDSU. I want that in Minnesota. I want that in the Big Ten. I want those mid-majors to be able to challenge the Power Fives. I'll let Mason speak on because he knows more of the Power Five than I do, or at least mid-majors. Yeah, so, you know, I, I like how you brought up the fact that, um, you know, South Dakota State schedules tough because they know that it prepares them for, um, you know, the NCAA tournament. Last year, obviously, they missed the NCAA tournament. They, they dealt with some injuries and had some, some losses early on. Um, that that hurt their overall resume. I I think they should have been in the tournament regardless. Um, but then they went out and won the NIT. Uh, this year, if you look at their schedule, because um, I'm big on strength of schedule. Like, who do you play? Like, I don't, you know, I don't really look at the wins and losses because you could you could easily go you know 12 and 0 in a non-conference schedule against you know the the teams that LSU plays. LSU, yeah, and- LSU sucks. Fuck it, Kim But, like, you look at South Dakota State's non-conference strength schedule. It, it was the sixth hardest strength of schedule in the country. You know, they played Creighton, which is another really good mid-major team. You know, if you count the Big East as a high-major conference, which I know a lot of people do, you know, that's still a really good non-conference game. Then they played Mississippi State and beat Mississippi State. They, they played UCLA and lost by seven. UCLA is a top 10 um, team right now. Then they beat Louisville, uh, who's, you know, on the cusp of, you know, a top 25 team in the country. Um, and they, they lost to some, some teams they probably shouldn't have lost to because they, again, battled some injuries there in the non-conference slate. But then, you know, not many teams want to play the number one team in the country but they brought South Carolina up to play in the Stanford Pentagon in December. Now they lost to him by 18, which is, you know, not a surprising result at all, but a lot of teams, you know, at that mid major level and even high major level, aren't going to want to play those games. South Dakota state very, very obviously wants to play those, those types of games. And then, you know, even looking at Creighton, um, you know, South Dakota state had the six toughest non-conference sprinkle schedule, Creighton had the fourth toughest. You know, they played South Dakota State. They played Nebraska. They played Northern Iowa. They played, um, you know, Drake. 
Arkansas. They played at Stanford. Uh, so, you know, these teams from the West, you know, in the mid-major ranks here, here in our region are really looking to play some of the toughest competition that they're, you know, able to play. And I think it's really neat too, because you, you know, for example, you look at South Dakota State's roster, the farthest kid from their school that they have on their roster is, is from Wisconsin. You know, every other kid on the roster is from, from the Dakotas, from Iowa, from Minnesota. Sa- same with Creighton. You know, they've got a couple of Nebraska kids. They've got a couple of Minnesota kids. You know, they've got a couple of Kansas kids. They've got a Missouri kid. So, you know, these, these teams are bringing in the best talent from the area, which, you know, I think it's arguable that a lot of these kids are probably, you know, high major type players or could could play high major basketball, but they're they're doing such a good job with their programs that they're getting to stay home and then, you know, not playing just a cupcakes non-conference schedule. They're they're testing them, making them better basketball players. And obviously like like we've seen in the past couple of years, they're getting to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that kind of translates, like, is even the more you trickle down into, like, the D2s, the D3s, the NAIs in, in, in the Midwest, I mean, just a couple of teams that I want to just highlight real quick that have had just, like, interesting, like, either results or, or seasons so far. I mean, Michigan Tech beat Grand Valley, Um, I, I want to say in overtime, like, at the buzzer or something this week, and that's, like, top five team in D2. I mean, are they reigning national champions in D2, Mason? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know they were at least close if not like yeah they were they were thereabouts and i mean like that's i mean that's the school up in the up i mean there's a couple schools in the up that are that are really good in their own right then um the other team i wanted to talk about in the d3 level was was platteville because like i think they've had a really interesting year um they may not be like the cream of the crop in the WIAC right now but they have some really really interesting wins i mean the first uh WIAC game of the season they played oshkosh and i want to say they won by like 20 I mean, they, I mean, it was a, it's a really good win for them. And then, you know, I mean, they had some uh, losses there that, you know, I mean, you, you kind of give and you, and, and you take, um, but they beat Loris, who is a, a top 25 program um, in, in D3. And I mean, they even beat Whitewater too. And I mean, and that's a program that was picked to finish like bottom half of the WIAC and they're beating some of these teams that are, you know, I mean, Whitewater was, you know, D3 runner up last year. So there's a lot of really good basketball that's just below the D1 level, just in this area in general. Like it's it's incredible how many like talented kids that are that are around it at every single level. But, I mean, and obviously the NAIs and JUCOs are more so in, in Iowa than they are here. So Mason can probably talk more about some of the NAIs, but I mean D3 basketball in Wisconsin is it's crazy. I mean, in terms of yeah. Iowa, I mean, I know Mason can speak to it more, but shout out to literally Iowa having four D1 schools that are not only good, they are competitive, they will play each other, they fight for the same recruits. If you're getting Iowa and you're top 10 in D1, you're not getting out of the state of Iowa, barring very, very like limited in terms of options. You are going to Iowa, Iowa State. You know, you are going to those four schools, Northern Iowa. You are going to them. Shout out to Iowa. Go for Minnesota literally have two, one for two years to D1 schools. And we can't keep kids home to save our life. I would gladly help them pack to stay home. They're not staying home. Shout out to Iowa and Mason. 
you have four schools and you are keeping them in that state. Yeah, to, to kind of segue to that, you know, back at the Division One level, it is it is kind of crazy how well. So I think you know, all four schools do a really good job of putting, you know, an effort into recruiting the state, um, and the talent in Iowa over the past couple of years has been really solid, you know, at the high major level and, you know, the upper mid major level, just, you know, to give those schools kids to go and get, you know, like it's, it's not like, you know, they're recruiting Iowa kids just to recruit Iowa kids. It's the talent of those kids is at the high major and competitive mid major level for them, you know, to go and recruit. And then specifically, you know, talking about, the non-division one uh level you know it's to me it's incredible how solid the depth of talent is in the state um you know we have some really really good division three programs in the state um you know a couple of them are down this year you know warburg's not at the level they're usually at you know simpson had a really really good run we're ranked uh, in the top five last year um, Loris is still, as Brady said a minute ago, they're still ranked in the top 25 this year. Um, but in Iowa, the NAI basketball is really, really good. Uh, you know, Dort is one of the top teams in the NIA ranks this year. Clark, you know, another top 10 team. Um, Northwestern, it's a really good team from Iowa as well. Morningside, always a top 25 team. Uh, Grandview sitting right now like 12 and three. Um, and so I think that just shows, you know, with, you know, seven to nine NAIA schools in Iowa, either ranked or getting votes at any one time, I think just really speaks to the depth of talent in Iowa. And that's not even mentioning the JUCOs, uh, you know, as Iowa has some of the very best JUCOs as well in, in the country for women's basketball. And I think we've been talking about college stuff for like an hour. So I feel like we should probably go to our bread and butter a little bit, which is like the high school ranks and stuff. And I just want to lead with just asking you guys, if there's been any like interesting results or, or games that have happened in, in, in the past week or so. Mason's nice. Or let him first. <laughs> It's a good one in Iowa. I know that. <laughs> yeah, there was. There was there was a surprising result in Iowa, um, at least in my eyes, on I believe it was Friday. Uh Friday or Saturday, or actually it was Saturday. Um so jo- Johnson has been, you know, right up there as as one of the, the top two teams in Iowa, depending on how you look at it all year long. Uh I personally have them as my number one team. Uh, but then you know, they went to Dowling Catholic on Saturday and Dowling Catholic kind of, I don't want to say dismantled them, but they played very, very well and, you know, kind of ran Johnson out of the game. You know, going into the fourth quarter, Dowling was up 14. They ended up winning by 14, but that was kind of a surprising result just with how big the spread was. Um, You know, Dowling is a really good team and you know it, it starts with Ava Zedeker the sophomore 
you know, she scored 28 points against them. You know, she got to the line 17 times and made 15 over 17 free throw attempts. So, you know, that's something that she's really good at. She, she was a really quick first step, able to get the rim. And, you know, when, when she's able to get there, she capitalizes, um, you know, Dowling's defense was tremendous holding Johnson to 48 points and only allowing to hit four threes, which is kind of Johnson's bread and butter. They kind of shoot, shoot the ball and shoot it some more and usually make it at about a 40 to 45% clip when they're, when they're feeling it. Um, and so that was, you know, kind of an eye opener because, you know, in some ways watching Johnson and the talent they have, I was honestly kind of thinking that they wouldn't be beaten this year. Um, but if I think, you know, if, if a team's going to do it, it's going to be Dowling. Um, I don't, I don't see any other teams that could beat them. Um, but, you know, that's why the games are played. Uh, you know, I didn't think they'd be beat, but here they are sitting at, you know, 16 and one now. I still think they're best, the best team in the state. I still think they're probably the favorite to win the state title, but I think it, it might be a little closer um, than, you know, people kind of think it's going to be. And, and we'll see, you know, really what they're made of um, and how they come back this week as they've got, you know, kind of a tough week ahead of them. You know, they play Valley, who's the seventh ranked team in the state on Tuesday, and then they play Inkney Centennial on Friday, and they're the sixth team in the state. So we'll really see how, you know, Johnston can respond here coming off their first loss of the season. But, yeah, it was a really good game plan by Dowling and, you know, I think going to give them just a ton of confidence going forward. Mason, as someone from Iowa, who's the most famous Dowling um, alum that you know of? Um, you know, there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot, but I'd have to go with uh, someone we all probably know pretty well, Caitlin Clark. Hey, Miss Logo. Hey. <laughs> and and then uh, before before I go with mine, um, because it's gonna segue into like the next thing I want to just ask you guys. But I mean, is is anything interesting happened in, in Minnesota the past week, Eric, or has it kind of been a little bit of hold and serve? Honestly, I want to give a shout out to Wyzetta. You had Hopkins on the road. Hopkins is a top 10 team nationally. On Tuesday night, you had them down. You had them down one with 343 left to go. Granted, you get outscored the rest of the way. But I'm going to tell you right now, and maybe I'm wrong in this. Maybe I've seen, maybe I'm, I've drank the Hopkins Kool-Aid a little too much. To beat Hopkins... It takes a lot of things that sometimes they're not even in control of the team. It takes the Hopkins to have a cold shooting night, whether it's the defense that's forcing it or whether it's them just having a bad cold you know, night or whatnot. Hopkins, you need that. You got them to, you got Nunu by my count. And I, I'm a fan of Nunu. Don't get me wrong. Nunu, I'm a fan of you. You missed 14 right-sided layups. You missed 14 right-sided layups. And I'm talking some of them were open. You missed those layups. Liv McGill scored zero points in that game. When you're talking Hopkins, what you need is your bigs to be cold or not score. Wyzetta had them down at half. Wyzetta 
burst out to a 12 to two run. Wyzetta is also the team who is in their section every year. Every year, Wyzetta, people don't know about people like Marbron, Abby Krasinski, Sophie Hawkinson. They don't know about them because you're getting stopped at the section championship because Hopkins, the machine, is running you off the court. They didn't look like they're running you off the court. Now, Godspeed to Wyzetta when you play them a second time. You're only... My opinion is you get one chance to get Hopkins. Chaska, a half luck, half success, half talent. You beat them at state because your COVID year, your game against Hopkins was canceled due to COVID. If you had played them, they're ready for you at state. They weren't ready for you at state when Chaska beat them two years ago. And I said, I have not seen a game of why of Hopkins struggling with Nunu, Taylor Woodson, Liv McGill. I have not seen them struggle like that since that game against Chaska at State. They could not hit a layup. Turnovers were terrible. Turnovers were terrible. You know, everything felt like it was going against them. When they would get a layup, it would be overshot or undershot. They would miss layup. They would miss rebounds. Wyzetta seemed prepared to take it at them. Wyzetta hit more threes. Wyzetta played better defense. I That was the, in the last week, I would say, Wyzetta let Hopkins know you're missing a Maya battle. You're missing, you know, Maya Najee. You're missing some of your pieces from last year. You have three power five D1 players. If two, one or two of them are off, you're in trouble. Wyzetta's not a pushover. Wyzetta has three or four, I would say D1. I'm not going to say Power 5. I don't consider NBFU as D1 or Power 5. I consider D1. I don't consider him Power 5. <laughs> Wyzetta was ready for Hopkins. In that rivalry, I, as a fan, I'm nervous. Both fans are ready to come at each other. The players are ready to come at each other. Shout out, by the way, to Minnetonka versus Hopkins. Boring in terms of, I was ready for a fight. I was ready for, honestly, Hopkins and maybe Wyzetta having a chance and being this close to beating Hopkins. I think that maybe made Hopkins come in more prepared. Hopkins was ready to go. They were locked in from the jump. Minnetonka, I'm a fan of some of your players. I'm a fan of your program. Y'all had no prayer. Liv McGill with her double-double was not letting you have a chance. Nunu was not missing layups around the rim anymore. Taylor Woodson was stuffing your shots to the 10th row. God bless you. You had no prayer. So what I'm saying is, Wyzetta maybe screwed you over from getting the steal because Wyzetta, I think Wyzetta woke up Hopkins. We'll see how round two goes in February. We'll see how the section championship goes in March. I would say if you want to see a lot of technical and a lot of coaches, fans, players that don't like each other, watch Wyzetta versus Hopkins, Minnesota, or Providence or Minnehaha. Mason's favorite, Madden Greenway. I love it. I think... <laughs> I do I, I do like Madden Greenway Providence. But but on, on Hopkins, I think you know it's when you play them, 
it's such a mental game. It's it's you have to get over the mental hurdle of, you know, it's Hopkins. And there's certain teams like that, not just in, you know, Minnesota girls, high school basketball, but at all levels of, of high school and college. You know, if you watch teams go and play, you know, a uh, South Carolina or a Hopkins, you know, mm-hmm. half the time those teams comes in, they come into those games and have already lost the game because they lost the mental battle. So I think, you know, why you know, didn't lose that mental battle. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see how the next two games are going to go. I mean, God bless Mason for bringing it up because that is so true. There is too many times where Hopkins beats you simply from having Hopkins across their jersey or Royals across their jersey. They simply know we can out-muscle you. We can out, you know, we can out-beat you. I also want to give a, sh- I also, not necessarily a shout out, but here's the thing. Hopkins and I, I get along with the players. I enjoy the players. I enjoy their games. Hopkins is going to play to the point where we are going to be as physical as the refs allow us. When the refs, especially against Wyzetta, when they didn't, when they call hand checks, when they call fouls, when they call blocks, when you are bodying people up and the refs call it, it's, I feel it throws Hopkins off because they're like, wait a minute, we can't just outrun them. We can't wear them down. We can't, you know, use our complete overwhelming physicality to outrun them. Why is that a, a match? It? The ref also let them know you're not getting away. You know, Liv had three fouls at half, Liv McGill. Taylor Woodson had three fouls within the, you know, within the first few minutes of the second half. Nunu Aguera. Both her first two fouls in the first half were charges. And I'm a huge fan of Nunu Guerra. Love you, Nunu. Here's my thing. When you're playing against a smaller player, going like this and giving all your oomph at someone, it's a charge. If you're going against Audie Crooks like you did in November, fine. Throw all your oomph at her and God bless and see what you can do. (laughs) When you're going against a 5'9", smaller post player, they're going to fall. I don't know if Nunu understands that right now, that if you dip your shoulder and go at a player with all your oomph, they're going to fall. Even someone her size at 6'2", they're going to fall. You need to go up. You can't go through. And that's what I need. That's what I need Hopkins to understand. And granted, I'm probably biased in this. Hopkins misses the Maya battle in terms of someone to say, let's calm down. Let's not get 10 turnovers in the first half. Let's not throw the ball 100 miles an hour. Let's not dip our shoulders in. Hopkins misses the Maya battle. Maya Najee, they don't miss. Let's be honest. You're part of the reason they Chaska beat your ass. I'm just saying. But in terms of Maya battle... You need someone to calm you down. Liv is 80% better last year, this year than she was last year. Liv can calm you down. Liv is, she had a double-double the next game against Minnetonka. Some of those passes, I didn't see the openings, and she is dropping dimes left and right. Liv McGill is spotty when it comes to being that calm force. 
when you ramp it up and it's a close game, can you be a Maya battle and say, calm down, we're going to control, we're going to get the best shot, we're going to play with the shot, because they're playing with the shot clock, the Lake Conference in Minnesota is playing with the shot clock, so Tessa Johnson and St. Michael Albertville, Hopkins, Minnetonka, all of them are playing with the shot clock in their conference games. Eden Prairie with Molly, L- Molly Lenz, who's going to Illinois State, all of them are playing with the shot clock. It's a huge thing. Can you play calm? Can you not lose your mind and get physical and overly physical and dip your shoulder and push people and get technical? Hello, Caitlin Clark at Michigan State when you punch them on the face. <laughs> can you can you get that calm? That's my Minnesota update. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take that last part and just bridge it into what I'm going to say because I'm going to lead this into something else. Um, So I went to see the Prairie School and Dominican play at Dominican, which is, you know, just north of Milwaukee. Um, Dominican went to state last year. They lost to Wapan and, and Kale Peterson and Abby Allsman, Gracie Kapan and their crew. Um, the Prairie School is really young. They have J.J. Barnes. They have Meg Decker, Ava Collier-White. They have a lot of kids that are really, really good. And um, the thing that I want to talk about especially is I, I can't hate on these programs or the coaches, um, but the one thing that I think is probably not great for basketball in general, I mean, you guys both have shot clocks in your state, and I'm going to lead this into that. Um, we don't, and we had Dominican running four corners offense unironically in the first half of, of a basketball game, and that's tough on, on anyone. And, you know, the Prairie School did end up coming out on top of that one. They had a lot of like crazy athletic plays they made in the second half and they ended up winning by about six-ish. But that's not really the point here. Um the, the storyline is is the shot clock in general, because I got in a little bit of heat for this last week. So I'm gonna put myself in the center of it. Um, but the in in general, like I think the shot clock is is something that probably shouldn't be brought in. And I just kind of want to ask, I know I've talked to you guys about the experiences with you guys have had with the shot clock, and I just kind of want to give you guys a platform to just kind of you know share your thoughts on that real quick because I think my thoughts are pretty well known at this point. <laughs> I will let Mason go first because he's a lot more he's a lot better at speaking his feelings adequately. <laughs> okay, well I take that as a compliment. Yeah, so um yeah, I, I go on, on the shot clock, I go back and forth a lot. I think, you know, a lot of people will bring up points, you know, both pros and cons, that they're just throwing it up there to have an argument. Um, you know, like like people love to say that you can't have shot clocks because of the cost. Well, Iowa has, you know, roughly 80 schools with a population of under 100, 100 students. And they all could afford it. Um, you know, I don't think that people really understand how little throughout the game a shot clock actually would come into play. You know, when when people say, you know, and Brady's correct, you know, when, when people say these teams are stalling, yeah, generally that's the last, you know, three minutes of the game. Sometimes, you know, at the end of a quarter for a minute. But, you know, these, if you look at, high school games without a shot clock and you you physically look the clock when the possession starts and a possession ends throughout the game you could probably count on one or two hands the amount of possessions that were over 30 seconds long so you know a shot clock isn't going to create this huge difference in games it's going to affect you know, two things, basically. 
you can't hold the ball for the last 45, 50 seconds of a quarter anymore. You either have to go for a two for one or, you know, play out the possession and the end of games, the last two or three minutes, you know, teams aren't going to be able to stall the ball then. Um, you know, I, I don't think that a lot of teams really just sit there, you know, with the ball in their hands and just stand there for two or three minutes. You know, I, I personally have gone to a lot of high school games over the past, you know, 10 plus years. And I have actually never seen that happen one time. I've never seen a, a team pull the ball out and stand there with the ball. Um, and I think, you know, I think my argument to that would be, well, if the defense wants the ball, then the defense needs to get out of their, you know, their zone or, or go play pressure man to man. But that aside, yeah, the shot clock is in Iowa. I do like it. I feel like the, the flow of the game is a little bit better, um, you know, if it's even noticeable. Uh, but where I do see it is the end of quarters, you know, if a team gets a rebound or inbounds a ball with 40 seconds left, they can't just go and, you know, dribble the clock and take the last shot. You know, they actually have to run their offense. Um, and then it's end of games. That's where you notice it the most. And I think that's, you know, for all those who are clamoring for a shot clock, really where you see the biggest difference where, you know, in, in a four point game with two minutes left, the offense isn't just playing keep away you know, they are still running an offense, which makes which makes the game better um, in the very end. Um, but I still, even with now being in Iowa with a shot clock, I'm still indifferent. I can still see both sides. I prefer the shot clock versus no shot clock, but I'm not going to hate the game of basketball if there's no shot clock. So that's my take on it. It's very cut and dry. I'm very indifferent. So from, but it does make the game better. It does make the game better, though. From the Minnesota aspect, I will say, and this is not a knock on other teams, I promise you. Where I'm located, I go to a lot of 3A and 4A games. In Minnesota, 4A is the Hopkins, the YZ of the Eden Prairies, the Rogers, them. 3A is Becker, Benil St. Margaret, Olivia Olsen, all them. I don't notice a lot of times when there's a shot clock. What I will say for 3A and 4A, I have noticed if you are a D1, 100% if you're a D1, if you are an athlete whose goals are college, you need to learn how to be able to score or find a shot or find a defensive stop or play defense for 35 seconds. Because in Minnesota, it's 35. It's next high school season where it goes into effect for all schools 1a through 4a right now like the lake conference for 4a so the hopkins your buffalo your st michael albertville your minnetonka all of their conference games play um when you when it comes to a shot clock i haven't noticed a shot clock violation literally the first time i noticed a shot clock violation was what when Wyzetta got one on tuesday night last tuesday against hopkins I had no idea what the buzzer was for. I was very confused. And all of a sudden they got a shotgun violation. I'm like, what in the God name? It was in the first like three possessions. If you are a D1, especially power five, Nunu, you are Stanford. Taylor Woodson, you are Michigan. Liv McGill, you are likely Florida, Mississippi State, et cetera. Why is that? You have NDSU. 
you need to know how to score within, within 35 seconds. If you can't, we have a problem. I think, I think in terms of this, I understand the cost of it. I understand someone who came from my graduating class was literally 22. Hi, I'm number 18 of 22 in terms of that. I understand that cost. I understand that you sometimes do not that, but I, what I'm saying is I, I've i seen in Minnesota, especially the Providence, Mason's favorite Madden Greenway, <laughs> Jordan Zubich, a 1-8, the smallest school of Minnesota at Mountaineer and Buell. I think it kind of separates the, the haves from the have-nots. It's 35 seconds. That is a long time. I don't go 35 seconds without getting a shot up when I play a lifetime fitness. I'm just saying this right now. But so to me, you need to be able, and as a coach, it speaks to your ability to coach the to be honest, why Minnesota, why it became so needed, I want to say three or four years ago, Marshall won a section tournament game 14 to 6. Because they held the they held the ball out and they dared the team to come out to them because they faced a team St. Peter that played zone. Marshall then lost their next game. I want to say sixteen to twenty two. No one in their right mind wants to watch a basketball game finish fourteen to six or twenty two to sixteen. No one wants to watch that. Marshall knew they didn't have the guns to win it. They used the rules as they were. It was boring. You have Trey Jones on the boys' side, which I don't know men's basketball. We have discussed this, all three of us in text. Trey Jones had a game. You know, you had men's games at State. They're holding it out when it's 30 to 32 with 10 minutes left. And they're saying, come out and defend us to force the five-second shot. That's not good basketball. You're not gaining fans. You're not showing what you can do. It's not helping anyone get to the next level. That's my thing is why I'm excited for a shot clock. Let's be honest, on both spectrums, the 1A schools who are very, very tiny, not talented, not great, not fighting for state, you're going to struggle. Tessa Johnson, Nuno Aguera, Liv McGill, Taylor Woodson, all Kennedy Sanders, all of them at 4A, you're going to be just fine. You're used to it. You're used to that going that quick. Madden Greenway, Tory Orline, all of them are used to that number. It's going to be a learning experience for the coaches who don't like to go fast, the coaches who don't like to score quick, the players who don't know how to score quick in Minnesota. I can't speak for Iowa, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, Nebraska, all of them. Illinois, Minnesota, God bless you. I'm so excited for next year. Yeah, just a real quick point on that. Um, yeah, Eric, Eric, you're 100% correct where, you know, the the upper echelon of teams aren't going to struggle with it. They're talented enough to be able to understand it pretty quickly. And, you know, they can create shot opportunities for themselves one-on-one. You know, it's it's those teams that are scoring, you know, 25 points a game and getting beat by 30 points a game that you're going to see the most struggles. Um, so I had some 
preseason expectations for the short for the shot clock this year in terms of just you know points per game you know across the state field goal percentage across the state turnovers across the state um and for those better teams they, they do have more turnovers this year um you know for various reasons i i've only seen one shot clock violation so you know they're not racking up four or five shot clock violations they have more turnovers because they're getting more possessions because teams are now shooting within 15 to 20 seconds rather than you know 20 to 25 seconds um for for the majority of teams i looked at just here through the midpoint of the season uh field goal percentage is down obviously because you know you have to shoot um you know good shots now instead of waiting 25 seconds or 30 seconds to shoot a great shot um three point field goal percentage is down uh but for most teams that I looked at the other day scoring is up but again that's because teams are now getting the ball more um but for those lower level teams you know, their scoring's down, their turnovers are way up, their field goal percentage is way down. So it, it's hurting those teams the most. Um, but, you know, the upper half of teams, it is definitely helping and making basketball, you know, better for them. Um, and uh, just to, to close the, things speaking, out. I'm sorry. And speaking to the far, to the few, I guess the few standouts, I would say Friday night, no, Thursday night, Friday, Friday, Thursday night when Hopkins played Minnetonka, there was Jeff Walls in the stand. There's Kelly Ray Finley from Florida, Louisville's head coaches. You have an assistant, associate head coach at Maryland. They were all in the stand. Literally, when I went to introduce myself, because, hey, Jeff Walls, hey, I had to meet them because, you know, part of my job, I had to say hi to them. We were talking about that, and there were three chakra violations that I, per my opinion, Liv McGill forced herself. The guard was terrified to go near Liv McGill. She did not want to dribble. She did not want to move. Liv McGill had her scared. And when I said to Jeff Walls afterwards, I'm like, does, shock, does that play into your thing? And Jeff Walls is like, we know she can play defense for sure for 24 seconds, and she can play for 35 seconds. Yeah, and I mean, the last thing I just want to say about the, the topic in general, there's just a couple things. I mean, one being, um, I just want basketball to be played when, like, there's a basketball game going on. And I think a good way to do that is is to have a shot clock. Um, and then the other thing is just in, in general with um, teams, like, are teams are good. Like, they're good teams in a lot of places. And let's just talk about the Dakotas for a quick second. I mean, when they first, I don't know if it was North or South Dakota, maybe it was both, but they only used the shock like in like their highest division with their big schools originally. And that's been floated around in Wisconsin, used in D1s and D2s because they were pretty, pretty open to having those, which I'm fine with. And in, in general, like just having that option is is okay like i can compromise i'm not like a hardliner like everyone's got to have it next year or i i don't even know like i i, I just want to see progress made in, in in wisconsin because we're good enough to do that now but yeah anyway um and before i get on like too much of a rant about that i kind of want to just ask you guys um if there's been a team that's kind of just surprised you in in either in either your states this year and, and just to highlight you know kind of what they've been this year and just kind of like what's what's made them so good 
Mason, you want to go first or want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. I'll, I'll let you have the honors this time since you've been nice enough oh. to give me first, first crack every time. 100%. Chaska, my point guard. Ken Ken Sanders, Kennedy Sanders, Miss Going to Colorado. I love me some Kennedy Sanders. Y'all, y'all lost a D1 power five power forward machine in Mallory Hire. Hey, Gopher. I'm just saying, people thought Chaska was going to fall down. Chaska is within, they, they're within that group of two or three teams that are right below Hopkins. They're a definite championship contender. I will never bet against Kennedy Sanders. I will say the joke. Brady has sat next to me. I think Mason has sat next to me when I said the joke. Kennedy Sanders averages a triple-double when it comes to points, assists, and eye rolls. <laughs> I, this kid is amazing. Her passes, she is never going to make a pass. Never. Mark my word. Never. <laughs> make a pass. That is a bad pass. That is a, it may not get to the intended target. It was the right pass. It was the correct pass. She saw that opening. Her teammate was a fool. I'm just saying, Kennedy Sanders, my favorite human being on this earth. She, Chaska, I'm telling you right now, they have beat, she scored 42 when they beat the number one team in 3A, Olivia Olsen, Kendall McGee, Benil St. Margaret's. She scored 42. She made it look easy. I was sweating more than she was sweating in that game than she was on the court. They have beaten Wyzetta by more than Hopkins beat Wyzetta. Kennedy Sanders, if you have a point guard who can handle a press, get the ball. I'm going to steal from Debbie Antonelli. Get the ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, and to who it needs to be to. The three W's. Ken Ken Sanders, outstanding. My point God. Fantastic. Chaska, I'm riding with you hard. And Ken is coming for you, Hopkins. Follow that up, Mason. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'll make mine kind of short and sweet. Um yeah, for for here in Iowa this year, there honestly hasn't been any team that's come out and has outperformed what I think was probably expected of them this year. Um, you know, you, you have kind of the same group of teams in 5A that are always going to be right there at the top. You know, when you when you get to the CIML, you've got Valley and Dowling and Johnson and and Ankeny and you know all of those teams that kind of just beat up on each other every night and so you get you know the number three through six team in the state with you know five to seven losses but that's just because they just kind of throw haymakers at each other every Tuesday Thursday and Saturday um but I would like to if – if there was a team in Iowa that I would like to commend for their performance this year, it would probably have to be Ballard and 4A. You know, they are, you know, one of the better teams this year in 4A. You know, they have a history of success at the state tournament over the last couple of years, obviously. 
but they just somehow, you know, keep reloading. You know, they have had, they haven't had any kids who have gone and played division one and stuck at the division one level, but it just seems like every single year they're playing their system that they want to play. They're going to, you know, grind out wins shot clock or no shot clock they're going to score 55 points a game and they're going to allow 25 points a game it seems like you know they lost four games last year um they went 23 and four and they're 12 and two this year with probably a worse roster um are they going to be able to finish runner-up in the state this year? Maybe. I mean, I didn't think they were going to last year, and then they made it to the state tournament um, and then made it to the championship game, losing their top three scores. Um, and so I guess if, if I had a team, it'd be Ballard just to, you know, they kind of were – they amaze me every single year with just how – well they utilize their talent and how well coached they are that they're always going to be there in the conversation at the end of the year even though this is you know they they seemingly on paper get worse every single year over the past two years but yeah here they are you know number three in the state once again and with with maybe one maybe one d2 kid on the team and the rest either not playing college basketball or D3 kids, which is kind of incredible to me as they come out and beat, you know, kids with division one talent every night. And Brady, um, first of all, um, phony with the Michigan state sweatshirt, um, <laughs> you from Wisconsin. I'm curious to see what you think. I know that you're a big fan of the, you know, the schools with the talent and the big names and stuff. You have a Michigan State sweatshirt on. I'm offended. I'm just saying, who, in terms of Wisconsin, similar question to us, who has outperformed what you thought they would? I also want to know, who has underperformed what you thought they would in the state of Wisconsin in high school girls basketball? Um, well, uh, I guess I'll go with the underperforming first. I mean, and part of it isn't really going to be their fault. Um, I mean, there's teams like some Prairie West who have a kid like Avery Anthony who tore ACL last year in February, and she probably won't play this year. So, I mean, wherever their expectations were, it's got to be a step lower because that kid's one of the best seniors in the state. Um, so, but I mean, even then, they're still good enough to maybe like surprise a few teams in 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 the postseason. Um, but the team I really want to talk about, and it's a team that's kind of off the beaten path in in Wisconsin and Prescott. Um, Prescott's a team who has Lila Postema on it, who I'm sure Eric knows well because she has some AU ties in Minnesota. Um, Minnesota but, she, <laughs> but she's a kid who in three years at Prescott has had three different head coaches and there's been real like really no stability there. And this year, I mean, they they come out of the gates, they lose their first game to a team that they probably could beat and then they rip off nine in a row. Um, and Lila has been outstanding the entire year. I mean, she's leading them in basically every statistical category. She's been awesome. And with, with her at the helm there, and I think her just playing this well in general, I mean, they're as dangerous as anyone in D3 and no one's really talking about them. 
um in coaches polls that that some sites do they're not even in the top 10 in division three i think that's crazy because they've been really good against really good teams and i mean they they had a little bit of a of a letdown against hudson who's a bigger school out out toward that uh that minnesota border um who's also been really good this year um but i think if there's one team that i wanted to point to that you know has just really like done way better than i ever would have expected to be prescott because I mean, and, and that's almost a testament to how good Lila is in general. But I mean, Katrina Budworth has been really good out there. Um, they have a freshman named Violet Otto who's out there as well. And they've just been great so far. And I mean, with with Lila and Violet for the next two years, I think they got a chance to be really good. And that's a team who I think could not only get to state, but could probably make a little bit of noise at state as well. So if there was any one team that I wanted to point to, it would definitely be them. Mason, same question to you. Who in Iowa has underperformed that you thought would be a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really interesting question because I go back again to, I think everything in Iowa has held pretty serve to what expectations were coming in. You know, if if you were a team that lost a, you know, for example, if we look at Gilbert in 4A, you know, they lost Ava Hawthorne, who's at Drake now. Um, she was kind of their do-it-all player, and they had some little other pieces too. Um, but you you would look at them after losing her and, you know, kind of think, okay, you know, they're not going to be as good as they were. Um, and this year they're, you know, six and eight but they've looked a lot better than their six and eight. You know, they've won four, four of their, they've played eight games against teams over 500 and they've won four of them. They've just lost some kind of crazy games that they probably shouldn't have lost. So if I had to take one team that's underperforming to their talent level and how they look by the eye, it would probably be Gilbert because half of their losses this year have been to teams under 500 um and those teams that were under 500 um were not good like they weren't good teams either you know gilbert's strength of schedule their opponents um winning percentage is 60 percent. so that means the teams that they play under 500 are really bad teams or you know maybe not really bad teams but teams that they should definitely beat but yet they're two and four in their six games under 500 um, also Xavier, after winning the state title last year, and um, it, Wells Fargo, they are 11 and five this year. Um, now some might see that as, you know, them taking a step back, even though they were fairly young last year and brought back the bulk of their returners. I would say that they're probably underperforming just a little bit, um, the losses they they've had have been, you know, like to Cedar Falls. They probably could have won that one. Probably should have won that one. Um, they lost North Polk by three. That that was one where they could have gone either way. Iowa City West they lost by one. Linmar they lost by twelve. So really, looking at their schedule in the preseason, you know, you would probably have only seen one loss on here that you were kind of like, oh, yeah, they're probably going to lose that one, which was to Waterloo West, who's the number one team in the state. They lost by 23, which was expected. I don't think that, you know, puts a dent in Xavier whatsoever. But, 
here they are. They stood at 11 and five. They've lost three of their winnable games by a combined five points, which could hurt them come postseason time because, you know, they're not probably going to be a, a one seed in their regional this year. They still very well could be just depending on what happens, you know, with some other teams, but you know, they've, they've pretty much put themselves in a position where they have to win their last five games to get a one seed and have an inside track back to state. So those two teams for me are probably the ones that are, you know, underperforming if you could say they're underperforming. And then the last thing I just kind of want to ask you guys, and I'll, and I'll start with this too, um, is just kind of just highlighting like a kid or two in, in your state that you think is either kind of just gone like under the radar, underappreciated, like stuff of that nature, or just someone you want to highlight in general. And I am, I don't think you'll find many bigger fans of Michaela Werner than myself. Um, I, I think that that kid is outstanding because I don't think you're going to find many kids who have, you know, six foot, six foot one size can, you know, defend on the perimeter. I mean, as a sophomore, she came off the bench for a really talented Hortonville team and she shot 40% from three. So you're talking about a kid who can play, you know, three, four, she can shoot the ball well, she rebounds like crazy. And she's a big reason as to why her teams win games. Even even if you know she plays it with Wisconsin Flight, and that team's really talented, and she's not going to score forty with them. And same thing with uh, Hortonville. But she's a big reason of why her teams win games, and I think that kind of flies under the radar. And I can't say enough good things about her. And whoever is going to get her at the next level is going to be very happy they got her at the end of the day. Brady, she my bestie. Mind your own. <laughs> Me and her, when I saw, I saw her for exactly one game, and it was against Minnetonka. I love that kid. I love the fight on rebounds. I love the calm. I'm all for, Brady has been to games with me. I am nuts. I am all for those players who are the calm in the storm, that are the very calm for their team, that can kind of, whether they're up 10, down 10, up one, down one, 10 seconds left, 10 seconds into the game. And Michaela Warner is one of the players. When she went Hortonville, you could not tell if she was up or down. She was strong. She played great defense on good players and guards half the time when they were doing pick and rolls. I'm a huge Michaela Warner fan, big fan. I think she did fantastic. I would love to see her in the Big Ten. I think maroon and gold is a fantastic color for her. <laughs> I'm just saying... Her head coach, AC, one of my favorite coaches in the in the continental United States. I haven't been to Mexico yet. <laughs> I'm just saying I haven't been to Hawaii. I haven't been there. Huge fan of them. Akila Warner. I'm on your same boat, Brady. She is that type of player. Her name's not going to be the first one you ever think of on the team she's on. But at the end of the day, you're going to realize you won because Akila Warner's on your team. Min- Minnetonka game, she had 19 rebounds in that game. Beast baller, and I yeah, will record that. We will record that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that kid. I think has got a chance to be really good at the next level, and she hasn't had much um in in way of like um like physical interest yet with like offers or anything. But I can't imagine that that's too far away for her. And and if if it's not, I think I think coaches are missing out. In in all honesty. But yeah, that's that's my piece on Michaela Warner. <laughs> We'll let Mason go into the player that because we all know who my player is going to be. So we'll let Mason go first. Uh, yeah, for mine, you know, I I think that the 2025 class in Iowa, the sophomore class, is 
exceptional. I think it's going to be the deepest class since probably the 2019-2020 year. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be five, six, seven high major players come out, but I think there's just going to be a a ton of low to mid kids. Uh, two kids who have really stood out to me specifically from that class so far this year have been um, actually AAU teammates with Kingdom Hoops, uh, Savannah Gage at Inkney, and then Alyssa Bartlett at Southeast Polk. Um, I think Savannah is probably the most improved kid in the state from year to year. Um, you know, she's gotten a little bit taller, a little bit lengthier, and she's kind of got that killer instinct about her when she has the ball now. Um, you know, she she has a ton of confidence. She's playing with a ton of confidence. She's, you know, scoring almost 17 points a game this year, um, you know, up from right around 10 last year. Um, you know, Ankeny, again, plays in the CIML, so they're – you know, record probably isn't as good as they actually are because they're playing, you know, Centennial twice a year, Johnson twice a year, Valley twice a year, Dowling twice a year, et cetera. But she's one kid who, you know, you get on the floor and you know, like she's going to bring bring it that night. And she's doing a really good job of, of running, you know, the action and the show on the floor because she's a tall guard you know, who can, who can shoot it a little bit, but she can also, you know, post up on the inside and create mismatches that way. And then, you know, I saw Alyssa play quite a lot this year uh, in the summer with Kingdom. And then I saw, I've seen them a couple times this year and I am always super, super impressed with her and how active she is uh, around the basketball. Um, even when it's not in her hands, it's, it always seems like she's making plays on the ball. Um, you know, not to be mean or anything. She's like the fourth shortest kid on that team. And she's averaging like nine rebounds a game. Like she's averaging more than double the next highest rebounder for that team. And, you know, she's not just doing it on the defensive board. She's doing it on the offensive class as well, which kind of just shows you that, like, she has a nose for the basketball. Um, and it doesn't matter if you have a 6'2 kid on the other team. Like, she's going to use her quickness and her speed to get the basketball off the rebound. And so, you know, she's been really, really impressive to me this year. Um and, you know, those those two are going to be, you know, if they're still with Kingdom, which I, I'm assuming they are at this point, that's going to be a really formidable duo. That Kingdom Hoops team is going to be really good if they stick together uh, for the next couple of years because they've also got, got Jaden Pratt, who is, who is also one of my favorite players in the state of Iowa in that class. Okay, I'm going to take up some time here. I just want to give a massive shout out. I am fully aware she is injured. And it's not because I love the TV show that her name is named after. Alexis Rose is one of the best players in the state of Minnesota. I was 
heartbroken being at the game where Alexis Rose from mm-hmm. Becker, Minnesota, tore her ACL. She's out for the year. Simply, they won the games since that injury, and they still dropped to number two. That's how important she is. Alexis Rose does everything for Becker. She rebounds. She does fantastic cuts. She can handle the ball. They lift her the point guard. Girls like their fourth tallest player. I'm a huge fan of her. When I talked to her, she had no idea that her name was after Schitt's Creek, so we'll have to work on that. Schitt's Creek is a fantastic show. I'm just saying. But her name is Alexis Rose. She's torn ACL, but I'm very, very excited to see her as a freshman. Mason gave me the idea. In terms of a class, huge shout out to the 2027 class in the state of Minnesota. You have Irma Walker, who's off the bench for Hopkins, and doing very well. This isn't just like she's getting in when Hopkins is already up 30 points. She's getting in when they're in dogfights, and she is getting rebounds with four other opponents, opposing players around her. She is a fourth. Irma Walker, remember the name, she'll be the best post player in the state of Minnesota. In that 2027 class, you also have Maya Wilson, who right now we have, I have a ranked of the top 2027 in that state because she plays at Matamidi at 3A school. She's a, star, you know, she's a fantastic player, come back from injury, but she's getting her footing underneath her. Ava Cupido, a starter at Minnehaha. Hey, Minnehaha, Matt Pryor. How's it going, Coach Pryor? <laughs> Love me some Minnehaha. That 2027 class, and I don't say this lightly, is the deepest class Minnesota has had since the 2022 class. And yes, they've said I'm a Gopher fan. The 2022 class before the 2027 was the deepest, most talented class the state of Minnesota's had in a long time. The 2022 class, outstanding, fantastic. Hey, Miss Brown Mama. The 27 class will be better. I'm telling you that right now. Those top five or six or seven will be power five D1 players, highly rated, highly talented. Shout out to the 2027 class in the state of Minnesota. A lot of you are playing varsity as eighth graders. So God bless you. I'm so fan. I'm so excited to see how you produce. You are eighth graders and you are playing and producing at varsity. When you are ninth, 10th, 11th graders, you are going to be on the level of the superstars that we've had in the state of Minnesota. And I know I I think we've been talking for like two hours now, so I think it's probably time we wrap this thing up. Um, but I, I uh, an hour and ten minutes. It doesn't feel that it feels way longer. To be fair, but uh, I wanna I wanna you know thank you guys for taking the time to do this because you know I mean I know you guys know a whole lot more about basketball at this level than I than I do because you've been doing it way longer. Um, but I appreciate you doing this and uh, yeah I mean this is gonna be a thing that hopefully we get to do at least once a week. That's at least the plan. So um, yeah I mean keep your ears out for for whenever the next one comes out and yeah i mean i appreciate you taking the time to listen so i think this is a good time to round it up everyone (laughs) oh we ain't leaving on that uh mason's on this thing we need to say it can be college or high school since we might do this weekly in the next week who is our in within the next week who's our one player to watch college high school pro D1, D2, D3, who is our player? We're going to go, because we're each in different states. Mason is the Iowa aficionado. 
Brady, despite the Michigan State sweatshirt, has a Wisconsin aficionado. Shout out Jordan Wood, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say shout out Jordan Wood. Hey, <laughs> Jordan Wood. I'm hey Jordan Wood until you play the golf because they have a problem. <laughs> I'm Minnesota. I want to know who in the next seven, well, you can say seven to ten days, in case we can't do this next Sunday. Who is the player that we all think we need to watch, prepare for, watch in for a big game? We'll start with Mason. Well, I appreciate starting with me once again. Um, (laughs) So for me, I think that the person to watch over the next seven to ten days, I'm going to go back to Johnston. Um, So like I had mentioned earlier, Johnston's got – Two tough games this week coming off a loss with Valley and Ankeny Centennial. Um, my player to watch would be Jenica Lewis. I'm sure everyone will hear a lot about her over the next four years to eight years to, you know, however long she plays professionally. But she, you know, the first couple of games of her um high school career, she was just kind of getting to flow of things. In Iowa, you don't play in seventh or eighth grade. So she's not a thousand point scorer yet. She will be. Um, so she was just getting the flow of things and then started to kind of, you know, get a good feel for the game, you know, start scoring a little bit more. The game was just coming to her quicker, um, etc. Uh in the loss to Dowling, she was two of fourteen from the floor and scored five points. So I'm really looking for how she responds against two really tough teams this week. Um, you know, does that hurt her confidence where, you know, we've all seen in AAU, you know, she has loads of confidence. You know, is she now after her worst game, um, you know, in high school, is she going to start to defer a lot more or is she going to continue to shoot the ball and try to score the ball. Um, you know, now she did also have four steals and seven rebounds to lead the team in both categories. So, you know, it wasn't like she had this terrible, terrible, terrible game, but shooting the ball, you know, production wise, offensively, it was probably her worst game of the year. So in short, I'm going to be looking on Tuesday and Friday to see how, how she plays. I'm excited for the Friday night game against Agni Centennial. Brady and I have talked about that one a lot. Um, some people have differing opinions on that game, but I am excited for that one, and I hope that she plays well. We'll go to Brady since Brady. I was left out that text. I was left out that text conversation. We'll go to Brady. Brady, who's your p- player? College, high school, pro. Um, I, I'll I'll go with the team uh, honestly because I think there's a pretty big week coming up here for Verona. Um, Verona is a really talented team. They got, uh, Iowa commit Taylor Stremlaw on that team. Reagan Briggs is a really good 24 on that team. Um, Paige Lambs, um, I believe going to Winona state as a D2 kid, six, two post been really good the last year. Um, but due to the conference they play and their conference play starts very early. So they didn't get to play a lot of their non-conference games early on that they play, that they would play really good teams. in. I mean, they did, but not all of them. Um, and then this week, especially, um, they're going to pick up a game that got canceled due to a, that snowstorm that came through um, the Midwest in like middle of December, I, I want to say is when it was. And that's going to be against Beaver Dam. And that's going to be on Thursday. 
And Beaver Dam's traditionally a really good program. They've had a really good run of it lately. They had a rough loss last week against Bonona Grove, but their first game this week is going to be against Sun Prairie West. And Sun Prairie West is a really good program. They, I believe they're leading the state in scoring. Um, so they can really fill it up. They press like crazy. They have kids who can defend. They have kids who can shoot. And the last time they played, um, weird ending to it with like some fouls and, and stuff that, you know, could have gone either way, depending on who you ask. Um, but Verona came out on top of that. And Verona, at least if, if the way the WI does seating is to be believed, this is going to be a really big week for them to play some really good competition and up their opponent winning percentage. And, and hopefully for them, shoot up that, that possible like playoff seating stuff. Cause they're going to be in a really tough sectional. Um, and if they win both these games and they do it convincingly, I think that's a really, really good sign for them going forward because they're going to have to beat a really good Brookfield East team if they want to go to state this year. And um, so, yeah, I'd say Verona is the team in general to to watch this week. I mean, and any and honestly, it, Taylor Stremlow is a treat. Like I, she she does things that don't make any sense. So if if you want to if you want to have some fun, watch Taylor Stremlow pass the basketball. It's it's something to behold for sure. She's going to Iowa, so she ain't getting the ball in her hand. Anyway, <laughs> number two, um, I know number two. I will say my I will say a game that I'm most excited for this week. And this goes back to Mason's favorite human being, Madden Greenway, the magician, the microwave, the magnificent Madden Greenway. She plays Hopkins this week. I'm very excited to see how Madden. Let's be honest. Providence is a two-way, and as deep as they are... She's shopping 40. What? Oh, no. As good as they are... She's shopping 40. I hope so. Because as good as they are, as good as Providence is, Providence in two-way basketball in Minnesota, it is Providence, and then there is a wide gap between the rest. In my opinion, when you play Hopkins, that is going up two classes. Liv McGill is a D1 Power 5 player guarding Madden. I want to see how Madden handles the pressure, the trash talk, the physicality. I want to see how she does. That is a big test in terms of, and if she, let's say she's getting past Liv or Liv's in foul trouble, guess who's coming at you next? Taylor Woodson, who's going to Michigan. I want to see how Madden does. Madden, don't get me wrong, Madden's a freak. Madden could score, I mean, she had 40 in 24 minutes on Tuesday night in her team's game. But that's not against Hopkins. I remember talking with Coach Getz, Connor, huge fan of, but I told him, like, anything that works against Hopkins, make sure you save that in your back pocket for state. There's no one in two-way that is Nunu Agara or Taylor Woodson or Liv McGill. And that's my biggest, not concern, because I don't really, I'm not biased whatsoever in the state of Minnesota. I love all colleges and all teams and all players. Go Gophers. But I want to see how Madden handles that. That is pressure. And when, especially with Hopkins, they've been and watched four of her games. How do I know that? I've been next to them at four of their games. They know her tricks, her trades, her skill set, everything. I want to know how, as a freshman, who, according to, you know, Mason, just letting you know, she's close to 2,000 points. <laughs> I'm very curious to know how she... Let's go! <laughs> I'm very curious to know how she handles the Hopkins game. 
if she lets Liv get in her head, and by the way, we've talked about this on text, us three, Macy Donarski was more, when they played each other in Wisconsin, that's your dominion there, Brady. Macy Donarski was more, was more concerned as a 2023 senior at showing up Madden than she was winning the game. It didn't work out in her favor. I'm just saying. Now, Audie Crooks didn't give a rat's hairy ASS who Madden Greenway was. Uh, Audie Crooks handled that team. I'm just saying with 48 and in overtime. I want to see how Madden handles Hopkins. Hopkins is coming off a very up and down week. Hopkins is coming down off of where Wyzetta pushed him. And Minnetonka didn't even challenge him. I'm very, I want, that's my thing to watch this week is how does Madden, my top player in 2026 class in the state of Minnesota, how does she handle the Hopkins test? You want to round us off, Mason? It, yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Eric for spelling out ass after he's blown the, <laughs> the F-bomb twice already this this podcast. So big shout out there to Eric for all the young kids listening. I can spell, girl. Can we really talk about like our favorite? Can we have like a, like a guest judge coach on here? Because, hey, Cade. Cade. We can have Lindsay Whalen on so Mason can tell her she's terrible. Let's have Katie from Purdue on. She was a player in 05. I remember I'm old as F. I'm older than both of you. I am ancient. I remember when Katie from Purdue, the head coach, was a college player. She still lost to the Gophers, I'm just saying. Mason, do you want to try to round us off this time? <laughs> we'll give you a second chance. Um, you know, I'm just glad that we're finishing up here, so <laughs> I don't have to listen to Eric talk anymore about the Gophers. Me, to be quite they, honest, wait till they beat Wisconsin on round two. <laughs> wow, a win over Wisconsin! <laughs> all right, all right, all right, that's, all right, all right, that's all right. a great one to hang a hat on. <laughs> all right, all right. I think that's a good time to close it off before before you two start going at each other. Um, I appreciate y'all uh, sticking around for, for the mess that was, especially toward the end of this. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully y'all still decide you want to tune in next week because um, I'm sure more stuff will happen in, in the world of girls basketball and women's basketball at the college level and high school level. So I'm sure we'll have more stuff to talk about. And hopefully we were entertaining enough to take up however long this is going to take up. And yeah, I mean, yeah, last thing again, appreciate y'all and hopefully we'll see you next week. <laughs>